And welcome back in Stripe Show podcast brought to you by Encore Golf. Encore designs high performance golf balls for players of all skill levels and swing speeds. We've made it, folks. It is the FedEx Cup playoffs down to three. It used to be four, but it's three events now. As we look ahead, we're going to start with the Northern Trust at a great golf course, Liberty National. And then we move uh, to a new course, Caves Valley. Uh, in Maryland, that'll be the BMW, and then the top 30. We'll take it down to Atlanta, of course, the Tour Championship at the famous East Lake. So this is fun for me. I enjoy the playoffs. They've grown on me uh, over the years. But anytime you can get the top players playing together for four rounds, sign me up, and that's what we're going to have here over the next three weeks. But I want to look back briefly here at the Wyndham Championship. Of course, a lot of guys trying to get in. So we got to throw a lot of names around here today, folks, on the PGA Tour, and no better guy to help us break this down, make sense of it, tell us some stories than the senior editor at PGATour.com. He's back, Sean Martin. Thanks for joining me, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Lots to uh, lots to get through. Um, always so many cool stories this time of year, and, and we're just talking PGA Tour. I was watching last night the 25 guys that got their card uh, from the corn Ferry tour. And that's always a cool ceremony to see that because you're changing lives literally right there. But even to some degree here, when you look down into the, into the 125, and I want to start with a guy that made it right on the number Chesson Hadley, great interview that he had with Amanda Balionis at CBS. You get, you're pretty close to these guys. You get to ask questions. You see it. Um, it, uh, it means a lot, right? When you, when you sneak in that 125 versus 126, it just came pouring out. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, to do it the way he did it with that hole in one. And it's crazy too with Wyndham. It's not the first time we've seen a guy, you know, make an ace to crack the top 125. Martin Flores did it a few years earlier as well. And uh, I mean, and first career ace, first ace of his lifetime for Chesson Hadley. So definitely uh, well-timed and he still needed Justin Rose to bogey 18 just to get his card by a single point. And, you know, it's so dramatically different for those two players, Chesson Hadley, you know, he's got conditional status. If he doesn't crack the top 125, Justin Rose is still exempt off his FedEx cup victory, his win at Torrey Pines a couple of years ago. And, and obviously he uh, is secure financially, but yeah. So for Chesson, I mean, that's huge. That's job security. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, paychecks for his family. Uh, he's got young kids. That's, you know, so much more than, than just making in the playoffs. I mean, that is a, a big thing in his life. And, and he talked about his job, you know, he hasn't been very good at his job the last few years. And I think that's where people can really relate. Uh, it's hard when you know, you're not performing well at work or when your job is a source of frustration. And, and that's the case for professional golfers as well. Yeah. Justin missed two six footers uh, down the stretch yep. on the final two holes that really, that dropped him out from, I think he was one nineteen. To 126, there's Chesson having to watch all that. His fate lies in someone else's hands, and all of a sudden he gets a tap, and he's like, hey, you're in. You you just made it at 125. Incredible. Yeah, you don't wish ill on anybody, but at the same time, it would have felt so weird for the guy who makes the ace to not get in. (laughs) Like, the guy who makes the ace has to get in. Just, it has to work (laughs) that way. (laughs) You got any aces, Sean? Uh, Two. Two? That's what I got. Both with a three iron. What? <laughs> with a oh. three iron? <laughs> yeah, so go figure. Wow. Um, that's long time ago, though. That's that's uh, doubly impressive. You knock it down with a, 
with the three iron. Yeah, it's a hard to believe, right? Chesson, his first hole in one. You think about how skilled he is, and he's never made a hole in one. Just shows you how much luck is involved when you get a player of that skill that's never made one. But anyway, he's in. Totally. Yeah, he's in. He's at Liberty National. He's getting ready. Um, there's three guys that are not there, Sean. I want to. What surprised you the most here? Three guys that didn't make it into the playoffs. I'll start with Justin Rose. We just talked about him at 126. Um, and then let's see, where'd Ricky go? There's Ricky. He's not in. And then Tommy Fleetwood is not in. Those are the three names that I look at. And I'm Don't like, forget your silver medalist. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, okay. that's one event that didn't count during the standings. And CT Payne was on the bubble too. You almost had your silver and bronze medalists not even make the playoffs, which I mean, look, they're, and yeah. that's a, a year maker making your Olympic, you know, getting an Olympic medal, but still it was just odd having those two on the sidelines. Uh, yeah, that's true. Going. What, what, what surprises you the most out of those names that didn't make it? I think Rose, um, cause he seemed to be, to be trending upward. You know, he got kind of lost a little bit with the equipment and then he went on his own as a swing coach. Then he was going back to his tailor-made stuff. Um, and then he went back with Sean Foley. So you kind of felt like going back to the old stuff was you're starting to see some positive trends. Um, and then he just fell short there at the end. You know, Ricky had the top 10 at the PGA and I think a good show Memorial looked like he was going to turn it around, but obviously still not quite there. But I think the big one, um, I think the, the big one really for me was Rose and, and Ricky. It's interesting. It's can Ricky turn the putter around. I, obviously the full swing is a big source of talking, but Ricky's putting numbers are, are way down this year as well. Yeah. As of late, Ricky seemed to be a little more of himself with the flat stick, but the swing changes that, um, that he went through just haven't panned out to this point. Yeah. And, and, th- and there's been probably been the better part of 16 months, maybe 18 months, I think since the changes. So there's a lot to consider there for Ricky on which way, he's going to go, but I, I probably tend to agree with Rose major championship winner. Um, it just, it's weird for me, Sean, because, and I've said this on the pod, Justin Rose is such a great guy. Payne Stewart award winner just announced last week. So deserving. One of the most genuine, nicest family really um, that I've met uh, as far as the players. He strikes me as someone who, you know, very process oriented, Find what works, stick with it, turn the wheels, you know, stay consistent. And then all of a sudden, Justin Rose just kind of starts doing things that are like, I was like, it's almost a little uncharacteristic, you know, changes the equipment when he was the number one player in the world, leaves fully after the pandemic when he was down in the Bahamas, um, who they've had a great run. Justin, yep. technical player, Sean can talk tech, can talk the technicalities. Um, and then all of a sudden Justin's game is gone. Like I just, it was, it just felt uncharacteristic to me to some degree that Justin was kind of making these decisions. You see it that way. Yeah, a little bit. I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it. I think, you know, travel and moving around was so difficult. We saw it with Adam Scott as well, that just, you know, moving around the globe, um, trying to move between countries and play going between countries was so difficult that I really think that guys who were living internationally, it had a, a greater impact on them than maybe guys who could just stay in the United States. I think that's part of it as well. And, you know, Adam Scott, you know, he won it Riviera last year before the pandemic was, you know, looked like he was still, 
you know, very competitive at basically the same age, as Justin Rose, they've had very parallel kind of career paths. Um, and he got kind of worn down by it as well. And, and was really kind of struggling. He had to play well, um, to keep himself in the playoffs. And that's why he was at Wyndham. And that's why he was in that, that playoff as well. And unfortunately missed that four footer. But, um, I think the pandemic was a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. Everything's changed, right? When you, when you go through the pandemic and you know, you just have to start thinking differently, I guess. So anyway, they, they stay home and the rest move on. Adam Scott was a name that I kind of pushed down my board a little bit when I was doing my picks, we talked about him a lot. The thing that really pushed me away was, you know, his struggle with the driver. Uh, he drove the ball better. His iron game was on point. He had a chance to win right there. Knock that in from inside four feet. Adam Scott makes that up the hill too. <laughs> here, here, Sean, here's what I, here's what I was really shocked about with Adam Scott's putt. Okay, so um, the guy, so who's, uh, is it Brandon Grace that had the putt right next to him? I think it was uh, Grace, yes. wasn't it? Yep. So Grace is right there. I mean, virtually the same line. And Adam yep. Scott's like standing way over there. He's like, he's not even, he's not even standing there trying to get it like a little look-see. Yeah. Um, I was, what? I mean, you know. I saw, I saw a tweet from Adam's fellow Australian, uh, Nick McKay, who's, the head coach at Georgia state there in Atlanta and, and very active on Twitter. He said, I think he said Adam had missed that putt as soon as he pulled out the greens book for a four footer up the hill that someone had just attempted. <laughs> it, it's wow. I mean, I was, the whole thing was bizarre. I remember I'm watching, I'm like, and then there's a, cam, a great camera shot and Adam is way off in the distance standing with the rest of the guys. It almost felt like, you know, when you're in a scramble yeah. and everyone's got to hit the same much. shot and you got to turn your back and you can't see. Yeah. What it kind of felt like, you know, that was the thing with the playoffs. Why isn't Adam over there looking at this? You know, I thought the six, um, was a a cool idea. Um, and that's the way I've always done it, but it was such a long wait for him to hit that putt. I think I saw on Twitter was 12 minutes Mm, from from when he hit the shot to hitting the putt. And cause guys were making it, I mean, guys had to get up up and down from everywhere on that first hole and we're making a mess of it and, and whatnot. And so, I, hitting a shot 12 minutes later, it, it can't help, especially a shot to <laughs> no. win. No. Wow. You got to live with that. That's, that's tough. All right, let's move on here. Cause I mean, the run of the tour championship, you know, it begins now Northern trust and uh, Patrick Reed. Last time we saw Liberty national, he won here back in 2000 uh, in 19 Liberty's a good course par 71 about 7,400 yards and you start breaking it down and how the guys did here in 19 and before you got to have the complete game here you know they're going to start testing you now uh, complete tee to green game you get on the greens here you get back to the bent grass so the best players are here inside the top 125 there's Chesson um, as I start scrolling up here Kucher squeaks in um, at 120 and there's Woodland, not a great year at 114. I start thinking about some guys here now that have to make a move, right? Because you got to get inside the top 70 to continue to Caves Valley. Jason Day, probably a name that you're looking at, perhaps at 110. Is there any there in the hundreds and, and just under that you're like, yeah, watch out for this guy because I could see him making the move inside the top 70. You know, you always think of Jason Day as a chance. I, I saw his three top tens this year were as few as since 2009. Um, you know, he started the year working with with Chris Como, Bryson's guy. Uh, he became an equipment-free agent, so he can play whatever he wants. And, and so he thought maybe some of those adjustments would 
would help. But of course, the big question is always the back. Um, I think Garrett Higo at 104, uh, a guy that you you picked his win. Um, you know, he's only made only made seven starts. So being at 104, um, you'd expect higher from a guy that won. Uh, right. He won obviously just his second second start on tour at the Palmetto Championship. But at the same time, he was playing in Europe, and you know he wasn't even a member when he won. So. Um, he's only made seven starts, but a guy who can make a move, you could see, you know, I think he won three times in five starts worldwide when he won the, the Palmetto. So a guy who can get hot and actually uh, played the junior president's cup uh, at Liberty national in 2017. So uh, has a little bit of course history per chance and kind of crazy that only four years ago, he was playing a junior tournament there and now he's a, a tour winner. Yeah. Higo um, people that follow the podcast, they know I'm, a Higo Homer and was kind of telling people like, look, this kid's coming over. He's a great European tour player and he wins Palmetto. And then he's kind of struggled a little since uh, he missed the cut at the U S open, missed the cut at the travelers, missed the cut at the open. It'll be interesting to see how Higo handles himself here. He's a talented young player. There's no question. Um, I'm certainly pulling for him. I think he's um, I think he's a cool kid. You know, the one that I look at, um, I like Seamus power at 73. I think Seamus power, uh, he didn't play great on the weekend last week, but he's been playing very well. I think he's a complete player, uh, had the win in the opposite field event, um, Barbasol. And I, I just, I, I think Seamus will continue the good play. I, I, I like to see him, um, make the jump up there and Poulter's name jumps out at me too, Sean at 79. I just, you know, we're getting closer to the Ryder cup, man. Like, you know, Poulter shows signs of, of really good play. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ian Poulter make the move as well. Now you go inside the top 70 and you know, the points are worth more now as you get into the playoffs. So you got to keep that in mind. There can be a lot of shifts here. Um, I think a name that, that jumps out at me inside the top 70 that concerns me a little is Terrell Hatton. Like Hatton has underachieved, I feel like this year to some degree. You know, when he a few years ago, he was like in like DFS plays, he was great 7,500 guy because you could kind of see this building. And now that he's kind of become that guy, and I know that he goes to Europe and he's had a win over there, but just feels like he's underperformed to some degree in Hatton. He concerns me a little just inside the top 70. What do you say? Oh, last year, he was one of the best players in the world. I mean, winning Arnold Palmer Invitational, winning uh, the BMW PGA. I mean, he had established himself pretty solidly in the, in the top 10. I think I'm surprised to see Mac Hughes uh, at 67. Just he's been in contention in the last couple majors, and I would have expected to see him higher. So I think a guy that um, can definitely uh, make that move. He's played so well. You know, he finished 15th at the U.S. Open, 6th at the, the Open Championship. And really, he was on a tough run before that, but he's really turned it around um, before the, the playoffs and outside that top 70, I've got to go back to Adam Scott. I was looking at his record and, you know, a quiet year for him, but only one missed cut in 18 starts, which you would, I think you would hear guys say a lot of times and they feel like they're close. You know, there's not a lot of maybe great golf per se. And, um, but there's nothing really bad either. And so just need a couple things to go your way. You know, maybe saw that at the Wyndham Adam Scott won at Liberty national in 2013. So, um, a guy that, you know, I think could jump into the top 70 as well, that maybe we're going to start to see that turn around and see Adam Scott that we thought we'd see after he won at Riviera. Yeah. You talk about what we're talking about is playing your way in or on your way out. And, and the guy that played his way in last week was Roger Sloan. 
Yeah, that um, was a, a gutsy performance. Not like, you know, Sunday, you're trying to win your first PGA Tour event and keep your card. It's like double right. pressure, and he handled it great. He did. He's he's a name that you're starting to see a little bit more as well. Um, he was 131 coming in. He's 92nd. So can he keep good play going? Kramer Hickok in there at 90. We saw him at the Travelers in that great showdown um, that went back and forth there. That was an amazing tournament. Um, with I'm drawing a blank. Harris. Yep. That was yeah, Harris. Harris English. English. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Adam Scott, he was 121, made the move all the way up to uh all the way up to 82nd. Harold Varner's played well here. Harold Varner's gotta like his chances, I would think. He's he's actually played East Lake um pretty well um at 72nd, Bubba at 71, and then JT Poston is the guy on the line right now. Um at 70. Aaron Wise is interesting to me um, at 61. Got to be frustrating. Guys like Aaron Wise at 61. Doug Gim, um, he's at, uh, let's see, Doug Gim's at 86. These are two guys that are just ball-striking machines. I mean, fabulous ball strikers. They're all good ball strikers, but when you compare them to their peers, they're exceptional, and their putter's are just chilly more, more yeah. times than not. And here they are, they've played their, they're, they're at 80 and 60 really ball striking their way, living at the bottom from a putting perspective. I always look at guys like that who can get their tee to green. And then you just kind of wait for those weeks maybe where they just get a run of that hot putter. And those are two names that jump out to me, get a hot putter for a week or two, they can hit it good enough, Sean, to get to East Lake. There's no question about that. Yep. And then I think Phil at 58 is safe, but you know, this is the one playoff event with a cut. So you can go home with zero points and, and some wild things can happen. Um, and next to him is Matthew Wolf, who obviously took that big pause this season um, for the mental health break and to kind of mm-hmm. reset, which, you know, Wolf's the kind of guy who, you know, if he can go on a tear in the playoffs, I could see him possibly getting a Ryder cup pick. I mean, he performed so well before he went on that break at the, at the U S open, you know, getting into the final group shooting 65 on Saturday, tons of talent, obviously so much pressure on him whenever you're that young, hot prospect. And then you back it up by winning so quickly. But, you know, if he rolls off a couple top tens in the first event and, and plays well at East Lake, uh, I think that that Ryder cup picture is pretty wide open. Um, maybe two or three slots are, are open. And so he could be a dark horse Ryder cup guy. Uh, if he gets on a hot streak. Yeah. I like that pick guys probably go all the way down to like 55, pretty safe inside under 55. I would think they got to feel pretty good, but that, that cut does make it interesting. You know, this being the first playoff, that's the only cut webs there at 46. Nice to see web show some signs. I, I will buy the stock. Sean of Webb Simpson. I said it last week going in. I thought the 64 on Sunday, it was the first time the 64 at the Wyndham. No, excuse me. The 64, the week before the Wyndham coming into that. I thought that was the first time that Webb looked like Webb. Let me rephrase that one more time. It was the 64 on Sunday, the week before the Wyndham was the first time Webb looked like Webb. And he came in Sedgefield, of course, is his place. And he played very well on Thursday and Friday. Struggled a little bit on the weekend, but I, I finally feel like Webb's healthy and he looks like Webb Simpson again. And at 46, 
I think Webb's going to keep it going here. I, I think he's going to make a move. I think we'll see Webb at East Lake. That's just me. Yeah, I think that was a, a, a tough one um, at Wyndham. I mean, it's an event he wants so badly uh, to win again. He named his daughter Wyndham. Um, you know, right. he had the whole he had the hole out on Sunday. Uh, he's been so close. I think he finished third, second, third, second in the last four years. He hasn't been outside the top three. And then, so you have the hole out 11, you think it's your week, you know, the short miss is 16. You had the ugly triple the day before. Um, I mean, there's a guy who finished one shot of a playoff with some pretty uncharacteristic stuff. He doubled his first hole of the week actually, uh, and still had a, a chance to win. So that really showed, you know, there's a lot of good in there. And then top 20 finishes at the St. Jude, like you said, and the open championship. And another guy who I think, uh, especially cause of the way he pairs with players. Um, I think a guy that's also playing for a Ryder cup spot. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control and distance encore recently added the vero x1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls one that already included the golf digest gold rated elixir and low compression avant 55 through its full suite of golf balls encore can help transform any golfer's game visit encoregolf.com backslash travis fulton for more info about encore and start revolutionizing your game now back to the stripe show podcast yeah, I'm keep, I want to keep moving up the, the line here, guys that are probably safe going into um, next week. And we got you covered here uh, on the podcast all week. Tomorrow we'll do our DFS with uh, Beat in the Bookie. We'll break it down, give you our picks. Wednesday, Hudson Swafford will join us from Liberty, uh, who is safely in. And then uh, Thursday, got Jim McClain on, who coaches Russell Henley, who's at 44. Sean, I, I just feel like Russell. I love Russell. Um, he's one of the best ball strikers on tour. I was all over him with my picks, um, in the last week. I thought it was a good spot for him. He's played well, but Russell clearly, I think down the stretch near the lead has, has shown some nerves. We saw it at the U S open. We really saw it at the travelers too. He was one back with four to play on Sunday and he doubled 15 and 16. What and a, a tur- turnaround in his ball striking. I'm interested to hear what uh, Jim McLean says they've been working on. Cause you're talking about a guy who was kind of rode the putter out on tour um, and was outside the top 150 in strokes gained approach um, in two of his early seasons on tour and has kind of steadily climbed each year. And then was third in that stat last year was fourth uh, this year. So I'm definitely interested to hear what Jim has to say about their work together. Well, I think a lot of it was just eliminating the hook. Yeah. Um, you know, Russ would hit that occasional hook. But now I think where they're at is Russ is look, I mean, he he's, he's played some good golf this year. He's been right there. He's could have, he could have clipped off a couple of these, including the U S open. Um, and he bogeyed four of his last eight coming in. This was his tournament. He should have won this tournament and he bogeyed four of the last eight. So there's some things there. I think feeling the heat, I'm going to talk about, we'll talk about with Jim and, um, and, and how you address something like that when the heat is on and you're trying to win, that tournament. I start cruising here now inside the top 40. Um, there's Sergio at 40 Lucas Glover. Nice year at 38. Yep. Uh, another win, uh, that finish there at John Deere was, was great. And he actually, he made tour championship in 2019, uh, which people kind of forget, I think, cause it's been yeah. some quiet years, but then won this year with five birdies on his last seven holes <laughs> at the John Deere. 
I mean, you, you breeze past him. I want to talk about Cameron Shingali. I think uh, a guy who's yeah. really turned himself into a good ball striker, kind of like Russell Henley as well. And, um, they're at 41st without a win. Some really steady play this year, uh, four top tens. And that doesn't even include a couple of times that he contended and struggled on Sundays, kind of like Russell Henley. You've seen some Sunday struggles from him. Uh, the Honda Classic, 3M Open, uh, some chances really to win for the first time. <laughs> but it is crazy to me. That's a guy who he got his tour card in 2010 and he's had full status on tour uh, every year since. He hasn't won, but to keep a card for that long, especially without the winner's exemption is, is not easy. Yeah, there's some there's some names here that going to come back to the surface here. Charlie Hoffman's one that I think was a hot name there, played some very consistent golf, got longer off the tee, iron game improved, his putter was solid. He's at 32, so we're going to see him. Connors, um, the the talented Canadian ball striking machine, we're going to see him. And there's Kiz at 29. So I'll ask you, is Kisner, I think Kisner's going to make this Ryder Cup because that's the name that seems to be sticking out now the most. And it was a hot debate coming in. Now he wins. And it's like, why not Kiz, right? I mean, I'm kind of on the fence, right? Whistling Straits is a big ballpark. Um, but Kisner has been, we know he's solid match play, ma- match player. He was good at the president's cup. What do you think? Yeah. My one thing I say to people who start talking Kisner on the Ryder cup is just that if you are only picking him based on the win, I don't think you you can do that because basically you're saying Kevin Kisner should be on the Ryder cup team because Adam Scott missed a four foot putt. Now yeah. Kisner stepped up and hit it on the next hole, but that's the problem with basing everything on just victories is right. that um, <clears throat> if Adam Scott makes that putt, which is probably from that distance of, and being uphill, you know, 80% proposition, um, maybe higher, um, then Kevin Kisner has no chance to step up on the second playoff hole and, and do what he did. Now you've seen some signs of life. He played well at rocket mortgage, but you know, you do talk Ryder cup, you know, if you're, I don't really know my Wisconsin October weather, but if you're talking cool weather and, and whistling straights does play long, um, it's, that's a tough, tough yeah. ask for him. He did really well with Phil Mickelson at the president's cup. They gelled really well together. They seemed to enjoy themselves. They threw in some, um, um, the three amigos dance after they, after victory. So, uh, obviously a guy from a team chemistry standpoint that you want there. Um, but I think I'm not going to, you know, fit him for his team right. USA uniform quite yet. I think we need to see a couple of good weeks, but yeah, the crazy thing too, Kisner, he's made the tour championship five of the past six years. So, um, you know, it's not Johnny come lately, but, uh, right. I, I still want to see some, some work out of him. Yeah. And it's been in, in, in saying that it's been a, bad year for Kisner up till this probably win. You know, he had a couple good finishes there, top tens, travelers and rocket. But before that, he, he, he had six missed cuts in seven weeks, you know? So it's been a tough year for Kisner. Now he comes in, gets it going. Just amazing. What a difference a week makes on the PGA tour. You go back the WGC St. Jude, he finished 63rd. He lost 9.3 strokes in approach that week. Wow. I mean, that's, that's the week before you see those numbers. You're like, whoa, that's I mean, easy that's, to do there with all that water. <laughs> he probably, he must've dunked a few. Siwoo, uh, you know, also Siwoo being in the playoff after finishing what last at St. Jude, yeah. uh, and making a 13. So Siwoo loves, loves Sedgefield too. Though. He does, you know, his there's horses for courses. I mean, with Siwoo's all over Sedgefield It's probably web one and Siwoo one a, yeah. um, 
Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I, I, I don't think I would pick him. I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence um, with Kiz. I do think he's, he, I think he's a he's a competitor. He's a fiery spirit. I think there has something to stay with that. But when you're talking about that kind of length in with in Wisconsin, colder, I do think length is going to play into it. You know, there's not going to be much rough, so they're going to let these guys just hit the driver and bomb it out there. Um, so it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting um, I to see what Stricker he- does. Yeah, the U.S. team has really benefited, you know, from the home games of these big Midwestern golf courses with very little rough. Um, on the flip side, Whistling Straits is more penal off the fairway than, than those other ones. So, and if you wanted to make a case, you could say the Austin Golf Club, where you know Kisner won the WGC match play and finished second. Uh, that's also a Pete Dye design, like Whistling Straits, but. You know, I, I was looking, Whistling only tips out at 7,200 yards, which I was a little bit surprised by. Um, but you look at the guys who've had success there, and it's a lot of big hitters. You know, Spieth almost did win in 2015, but, you know, ultimately Jason Day was just blasting it over bunkers uh, to win there. You know, DJ almost won um, if he didn't ground his club in a bunker. Bubba was in the playoff with Keimer. Uh, it's still going to be a place, like you said, where I think length is, I mean, length's always an advantage, but yeah, still will be there. Dustin Johnson, 17. <laughs> going into the FedEx cup playoffs. How about that? Dustin Johnson right now uh, is 17th. Roaring tiger were the only two FedEx cup winners and uh, no one has done it back to back. You think DJ can, um, can get this thing together and get himself another one. You talk about what a difference a week makes, what a difference a year makes. I mean, DJ was like unbeatable in, you know, he wins the Northern trust last year by 11, uh, loses in a playoff, the BMW wins tour championship, wins the masters by five. I mean, the guy looked absolutely unbeatable and it's just not been the case, uh, this year. I, there's, I think there's probably too much ground to be made up. Um, and a guy who doesn't have the greatest East Lake record, he was helped yeah. by the the starting strokes. Uh, he definitely, he used those <laughs> to his advantage last year. Um, you know, Xander shot the low 72 hole score. Um, so I think it's going to be hard for him to make up ground at East Lake, but you know, things can, can change pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, the guy that can make it up because he does love East Lake, that's Xander Shoffley. He's at 13. <clears throat> um, and, and starting, you know, the gold medal is starting to play some good golf. It's nice to see him put one away there. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit late. On he had Sunday. Never, Sam Burns. Yeah. He had never converted a 54 hole lead in his tour career. He had four of them and, and hadn't yes. won any of them. So the gold medal is huge. It's a great honor, but just, I think also closing out that 54 hole lead was such a big deal for him. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I thought that was probably meant the more most to him than anything, just to shut it out. Sam Burns is at 10. I've said, I, I think I'd pick Sam Burns on the, on the Ryder cup. Yeah. I, I think he's a fiery player. He's long. He's a great iron player and he can putt. You know, you and I, it's like, okay, his short game can get a little clunky, but you know what? Length, great irons, great putter, and he's a great competitor. You saw it with Horschel at the Zurich. They they really gelled. I mean, you could see it. Like he's, I don't know. I I'm I'm in on Sam Burns. I I I like that everything about him in that locker room and on that golf course at the Ryder Cup. And he got sidelined at like the worst possible time. You know, he had to withdraw from colonial with that back injury. And that's after he'd finished first and second in his last two starts. And then, you know, he played great at the, um, at the St. Jude. And I think it's a guy who he's got that chip on his shoulder as a Walker cup snub. And so I think he's a guy that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. You know, we, we saw 
all we need to see about how he handles pressure when he played with Tiger at the Honda. And he shot 68. You know, he's a kid who doesn't even have a tour card. He's playing on a sponsor exemption. It gets paired with Tiger when Tiger's starting to become Tiger again. And he shoots a cool little 68 and beats Tiger by two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, he, he's, he's an impressive player. He really is. I, I just I think Sam Burns is going to be around a long time. And it's easy to say, you know, you, you win one. It's like, oh, he's going to win all the time. Right. Sam Burns, to me, like when I saw that, he's like, that's the first of six, seven, eight. Like, that's kind of where I see it going with him. And which is a good haul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's Kepka at 15. Deschambeau at seven. How much? um how much do you think we're going to hear from this feud over the next three weeks and how, and how, and how big of a deal is it? Do you think it plays out in the Ryder cup? I, it can't help. Um, I've got to think that maybe they'll tone it down for the sake of the Ryder cup, but I mean, Brooks the real problems it down. <laughs> yeah. Brian Brooks has to, cause the problem for Bryson is I think Bryson's gotten tired of it and really doesn't want any part of it. But right. when people are just yelling it constantly, um, you've got to address it. And, you know, I thought there were some really good columns out of the St. Jude about it. It's kind of crossed the line from being a fun, you know, kind of poking at each other to really, you know, and, you know, Brooks took it to a certain level with the offer of the free beer for the people that got kicked out. But, you know, from then on, it's just, it's crossed the line. And it's, it's at this point, it is, I think, bullying, I would call it. Um, It's not done. It's not done in good spirit. It's not like, you know, it's, it's like what they did to Monty. It's not done you know, there's some guys that get a hard time, you know, and it's done in in good humor and and a good spirit, but this is not that. And I I think you're seeing the effects of it on Bryson. Um, I think, I think just, you know, Bryson being thrown into the spotlight, like he was after the U S open, I think you're starting to see the effects of the pressure and just the demands and of being in that spotlight. Cause you've really seen, you know, between the U S open collapse, the St. Jude, um, the open debacle, you're just, you're starting to see a lot of, you know, maybe cracks there that I, mm-hmm. just from the amount of pressure of Bryson having to be Bryson all the time. Yeah. I think that's well said. Yeah, I really do. And I, I think it is bully and what's that you can't, you can't reward people's behavior, you know, like that on the golf course by sending them beer that, uh, that doesn't add up. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see where those two play out um, through the playoffs. Cause they're going to be, certainly in the same spot for three weeks and they'll be on the team too um, for the Ryder cup. And it it can't help. So Stricker's got some work to do um, when it comes to that. You get up to the top here. And of course, Morikawa's one speed two, can't lay three incredible year for Harris English four and John Rom five. John Rom can just stay away from the COVID (laughs) in you know, and I don't, I don't think he can't get, he can't get it again. I mean, I don't, I mean, he's, was this the third positive test? I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we've kind of forgotten about him. The guy that won the U S open so impressively because he's been gone. He hasn't played since, um, since Memorial. No, or sorry. He hasn't played in forever. I mean, and then we also forget too, that he was about to win Memorial by like seven. If he didn't, you know, get, (laughs) get the positive, um, a guy who probably isn't getting enough attention, uh, going in. And I look at answer answer was runner up at Liberty national last time we played there and just so scrappy. And then I I tweeted it, the rare guy who gains strokes off the tee with accuracy instead of distance, he's like 160th in distance, but he's seventh in accuracy. Uh, He's just kind of an old school player in that sense. I think the biggest question mark inside the top 10 is Justin Thomas. I mean, he's, his putter is, is a mess. I mean, his putter has completely derailed him from 
playing the type of golf that we're used to seeing Justin Thomas, who was one of the best iron players in the game, does enough for this driver. Usually can hit incredible wedge shots. And then he put the putter in his hand. It looks like a foreign object. Like he's lost his confidence um, with his putter. And he's the biggest question mark for me um, inside the top 10. The guy that's on the other side of that is Kokrak at 12, who basically extended his putter one inch. And all of a sudden he's one of the best putters in the world now. And Kokrak's an interesting name Can drive it long. Pretty good iron player, great putter, you know? So it's, he's a guy that is playing for a lot here. When you look at the Ryder cup that I think is another interesting name. Um, when you start looking at who you're going to pick and I'll finish with this here, the, the guy at 16, right, right before DJ is Cameron Smith. I think this is the best golf Cameron Smith has played the most consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's been a lot of fun to watch and um, he's, he's a guy that, I think could just sneak and make a move here, you know, on that 16 mark, they got some work to do. We know that Um, Shoffley at 13, we know what he can do, but just feels like Cameron Smith feels like his year. He's done a lot of great things. Has played some really good golf with all 14 clubs. So he's a guy that I've got my eye on too. Have you visited Cameron Smith's barber in Jacksonville, Lee Trevino? No, but I heard about him. Yes. Have you? I have not. Uh, okay. I've got I've got a guy, but I guess he was named after Lee Trevino. Yeah. He had the last name Trevino, and his dad said, I'm going to name my son Lee. So, If you had to pick right now, who wins this? In Atlanta. <laughs> Colin Morikawa, he just – his year. Spieth, he's back and just cherry on top. It really is. I was in Tokyo, and I watched Morikawa play, and the first couple of rounds were not great. Um mm-hmm. And it just looked squirrely. And then all of a sudden you look up Sunday and he shot, I think 63 to get into the playoff for the bronze medal. It was like <laughs> the guy, the guy can do no wrong. Um, I like speed, a good history at East Lake. I, man, it, I, I, I don't Spieth, see. I think Spieth was top 10 too at Liberty last in 19. Pretty yes. Sure. That was, uh, that was when we were at the state of the slump where he was playing great Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And then Saturday, Sunday was a mess. And that's yeah. what happened there. I, I want to say he may have been the 36 hole leader and then just yeah. couldn't keep it going. Right. But that's where we were in, in 2019 with the, the speed slump is we were seeing signs and we saw some signs at Liberty. So um, he likes Liberty. He likes East Lake. No one knows. Honestly, his Valley's new. I'm going Xander. Okay. I think Ooh. he, I think he plays well the next two weeks to kind of get into that, you know, f- five four position and then he just plays so well he's automatic at east lake and he just whatever his deficit is he overcomes it and uh and wins the whole thing love gold it. medal fedex cup perfect love it one gets one gets you zero dollars one gets you 15 million dollars and it averages <laughs> out to 7.5 million apiece, so <laughs> that's what they're playing for folks 15 million is what they hand out at the end of august and i love the timing right before the nfl starts we get a little breather and we'll pick it back up again out in California. And uh, off we go with a little Ryder Cup sprinkled in there. And then a nice little break, I think, there at the end of November into December, which you're probably not looking forward to that at all, are you? Because you haven't you haven't been really working that hard, have you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, How many tournaments? It, 50? It never ends. No. You know, we get a week off after Tour Championship, and then we roll it right back out again. And then, and then we got the Ryder Cup. Uh, second week of the season and then you know even december you got the hero world challenge you got uh it, it there's not much time off yeah 
Sean, I can't thank you enough. Go follow him on Twitter at PGA Tour S Martin, senior editor, PGA Tour.com. Thanks for joining the pod, man. Yeah, thanks, Travis. Cool.